What's up, guys? It's your man, Austin, back again for another excellent episode of The Lost Art. Remember, you can always reach out to me and tell me what you're thinking by emailing me at thelostart at yahoo.com. Again, that is thelostart at yahoo.com. So want to go ahead and you know, talk about what we're doing on this show. We're going to kind of switch it up a little bit. I like to keep things interesting. So what we're going to do here on this episode is I'm going to answer emails. You know, we'll do that first, you know, as I've been doing. And then after that, we're going to go ahead and we're going to have a guest on the show. And the guest is going to be a good friend of mine. His name is Jersey. And we're going to have him on and we're basically just going to kind of go down the line and address a bunch of different topics. And so it's going to be a little bit, you know, the show's not going to entirely change format wise. It's just, we're not going to have, you know, three segments. We're pretty much just going to have two segments. One is going to be for emails, answering emails. Then we're going to go ahead and uh, put Jersey on and we're going to discuss some topics. So and there are topics that you know are new, and there's also topics that we've talked about before. So, this will kind of give you listeners, you know, someone different to listen to for a change, and uh, get a different perspective. And hopefully, I can get different guests on the show if you're so willing. So, if you are in the Phoenix area and you want to be a guest on this show, um, reach out to me. If you're not in Phoenix. We can still do it. We just have to make sure that you're on the Anchor app and I can call you and we can basically do a live call in using the Anchor app. So if you want to be on, here's the caveat. You got to email me at thelostart@yahoo.com. Let me know that if you want to be a guest. Tell me why you should be a guest on the show. Just because you email me doesn't mean I'm going to throw you on. Why should you be a guest on my show? What do you have to offer my listeners? What do you have to offer me? So, you know, I'm going to kind of make you earn it. I got to figure out, you know, what's going to make for a good show and what discussions we can have and all that good stuff. So there you have it. So there's your opportunity. So I'm getting a little bit more aggressive with having guests on the show, which is, which is good. All right. So what I want to get into at this point Today is I'm going to go ahead and tackle some emails. So let me get into my email here. And again, you can email me at thelostart at yahoo.com. All right. First email. Dear Mr. Two Real, I just sent you a link to a story regarding the members or of Soundgarden and Chris Cornell's wife, Vicky. After reading the article, I don't know who to side with. As an alpha male and a huge Soundgarden fan... I wondered what your take was on the situation. It's been reported by the article that the remaining members of Soundgarden have been intimidated and been difficult with Chris's wife, Vicky, over the rights of Soundgarden songs. I know that I sided with Dave Grohl and Chris Chris Novioselic when they were fighting Courtney Love over rights to Nirvana songs. I hope that's, I hope what's been reported about the remaining members of Soundgarden is false or exaggerated. It sucks that lawyers, judges, and courts now have to be involved to determine who is right or wrong or deserving of the rights to some intellectual property. 
I'm really interested to hear what you think about this situation. In my humble opinion, I do not think anyone's spouse should inherit or control rights to their late partner's work. It's a messy situation that's only going to get uglier because money is involved. I hope both sides grow up and realize how petty they're acting. What do you think, Mr. Two Real Sign? Edward Penis Hands. There you go. Well, thank you. <laughs> that's my buddy up in Reno. Huge shout out. And I guess my take on this is if you created something with others, like in a band, then I believe you have rights to that. That's To me, that's intellectual property. And I think that if you created it, you own it. And that's why there's, you know, you have publishing rights to music. That's why you have copyrights on music. And so, you know, unless Vicky, you know, that's Chris Cornell's wife, was basically involved and her name was signed on the dotted line for the um, the rights to that music, which I highly believe that she doesn't because usually what happens is when musicians create music, they have to have it published. They have to have it copywritten, obviously, to protect their intellectual property and creative property. And it's usually all just the band members. You know, every band has a um, publishing company because obviously their lyrics and their music cannot be stolen and be made for profit without getting royalties. And so that's kind of how it works, you know, and that's why, you know, in the past, I don't know, 20 years, we've had all these issues come up with music because, you know, let's face it, you know, Napster changed the game when it, you know, when people weren't going to see, you know, going to like, you know, places like the warehouse or Sam Goody or um, Tower Records or, you know, all these different types of record stores to buy music and they're buying it online and some a lot of people weren't buying it online you know they're downloading LimeWire and Napster and all these other ones um you know it was stealing music and so there was a big huge issue with that now let me get off of the of the legal side you know in the music industry for a while and let's just talk about you know again what I've been discussing for the past two weeks and what I've been discussing for the past two weeks is marriage and so here's an example. Here's another, yet another example of how marriage just, just throws wrench in the spokes. Let's say Chris Cornell wasn't married to his wife and he was just, I don't know, in a, you know, they had some type of ceremony with the ring and that was the symbol of their monogamy and that kind of thing, but they weren't legally married on paper. This wouldn't even be an issue. And I think that would solve a lot of problems not only with Chris Cornell and in, in this situation with, the, with his bandmates, but just in general. You see what I mean, guys? I mean, this is just another example of how marriage complicates things. Marriage doesn't guarantee commitment. It doesn't guarantee monogamy. It doesn't guarantee security. All right? I don't know how many times I have to say it. I'm, I'm going to keep saying it until I'm blue in the face if I have to. So you have this situation where if she, if Chris Cornell and his wife weren't married, this isn't an issue. His bandmates get the money. He get they have all the rights, and as as they should. I believe that. I believe that if you are in a band and you've created something that it, that 
if someone passes on, unfortunately, you know, Chris Cornell committed suicide and it was a tragedy. But now you have all this legal mess going on. And if he wasn't married, then he wouldn't have all these all these issues. Or not him, but the bandmates. You know, because that's their property. They should be getting royalties and getting paid for what they came up with. If you wrote a note, if you wrote a lyric, you should get paid for that. That's your livelihood. You know, and I don't know, like, I, I can't speak of which I don't, you know, I can't speak on issues that I don't know about. I don't know how much money um, Vicky Cornell is entitled to, you know, after his death. I'm sure it's more than enough, but... You know how it is, you know, if you're, if you see an opportunity to make more money, then you know what I mean? That's, you have to go after that, I guess. But if he wasn't married, then this is a non-issue. So just another example of how the government and how people extract money out of marriage. It's a huge business. It's a huge business for people. Think about how, think about all the different things, all the products and services that are catered around marriage. You're talking, I mean, let's just start at the beginning. Let's start out with the engagement ring. Money for engagement rings. Money for tuxes. Money for bridesmaids' gowns. And then, of course, the bride's dress. And then you have a wedding, wedding venues. Then you have a photographer. Then you have a caterer. Then you have a DJ. I mean, you see where I'm going with this? And then after you're done with the marriage, then, you know, what What do you buy? You buy a house. You know, you buy land for your family. Then you have a family. Then what do you do with your family? You're, you become consumers, right? Well, I mean, everyone's a consumer, but you become even more of a consumer because now you have more people to feed. So now you're buying more groceries. Now you're buying more clothes. You got to buy a bigger car to fit all your kids in. I mean, and then of course, let's let's talk about divorce. Well, then you have attorneys that are making money off of off of divorce. Um, you're talking about separation of assets. I mean, there's just so many things that are tied up. I mean, if if you if you can't agree with me at least to some point that marriage is not a business, then I my example right there should have convinced you. That's why they promote, you know, that's why people want people to get married is so they can make money off of it because that's what it is. There isn't any money in people not getting married. You understand what I'm saying? Let me repeat that. There isn't any money involved when people don't get married. Bottom line, it's an economy driver. And I'm fine, and I'm, I'm fine with capitalism but I'm not fine with someone taking my half of my assets because I decided to sign a piece of paper. That's, that's not cool with me. I'm not comfortable with that. No, I may not be a millionaire, but you know I've worked for certain things and I don't want them taken because someone else that decided that it was theirs all of a sudden wants to battle me for it. No, I don't want anything of hers. She shouldn't want anything of mine. We should go our separate ways. That's why I think you should do just a ceremony and do rings, just like, you know, a regular wedding. That's your commitment, right? The wings, the the wings, the rings symbolize commitment, right? So do that. If it's all about commitment and love, like she says it is, 
then what's the issue? Oh, right. All of marriage law and child custody laws are in her favor. So she gets more security than I do. Yeah, no wonder they want to get married more, right? Now you have Vicki Cornell trying to go after intellectual property that isn't hers. Just because she was married to Chris Cornell. Well, if she didn't create it, you know what I'm saying? If she didn't create it, then why, why should she be entitled to it? You know, it's just people trying to make money and suck money out of other people who didn't, who didn't earn it flat out. So that's where I stand on it. Now, I like this email because it brings up the issue of celebrities. And of course, you know, we in America are obsessed with celebrities for some reason. They're popular because, you know, they're athletes, they're on TV, they're musicians. I mean, I understand that, you know, there's, they appeal to a mass group of people. And so they're going to be popular and all that stuff. But for some reason, some people are just, just obsessed with knowing what other people are doing. Like they're like kind of living through them. I don't know. But we have this infatuation in America with, with celebrities. And what's really interesting too is, is there was, there's been news in, recently about a football player. His name is Jay Cutler and his girlfriend. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me kind of inform you a little bit. And this is just something that actually I saw on ESPN and no other reason. I don't follow any, I don't read People, I don't read Star, I don't read any of, the, of those garbage magazines, or I don't go on websites and, and follow celebrity gossip. This is just something that was brought to my attention recently, and I found out about it on ESPN. I was looking at scores, I'm trying to figure out when baseball season's going to start, all that good stuff, right? And so... Th- the background on Jay Cutler is, is he was a, um, a quarterback. He started out with the Denver Broncos. He got traded or he got he was a free agent and the Chicago Bears picked him up. Unfortunately for me, I'm a Bears fan. And he proceeded to be mediocre or a little bit below mediocre in Chicago for eight years. And then after that, he went to Miami. And then after that, I think he's out of football. But here's the, th- here's the deal. He made it to the NFL. He started in the NFL for a number of years. He had to be a, you know, a damn good athlete to do that, right? So he's earned, he earned his way there. And he made, obviously, millions of dollars. And so he married a TV reality star. I forget what her name is. Not really important. But she was on the OC, whatever the hell that is. Maybe you girls that are listening know what that is or guys. I don't know if if you know what I'm talking about that I feel sorry for you. (laughs) But anyway, he married this this reality TV uh, show star and they were married for about 10 years. And then recently she divorced him citing that he, you know, there was irrec, 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 I can't even say it. Basically, there's just there's a mutual parting of ways, and the point is, is now she's asking from obviously she's going after his money that she thinks that she's entitled to. I'm like, oh, here we go. I mean, this is just another example. I mean, how many times have you heard this? How many times have you heard celebrity couple, you know, quote unquote, celebrity couples getting together? 
divorcing. And then there's this huge custody battle. There's this huge, you know, asset battle. Again, if you signed a prenup or if you just didn't get married, you wouldn't have to go through any of this crap, but you did. So now you're going through it. So, and it's all public because, you know, you guys are, you know, one's an athlete, professional athlete, and the other one's a reality TV show star. So let me read you guys this. And I thought this was really beautiful. I mean, I, I didn't care for Jay Cutler at all when he was in Chicago. I thought he was just a mediocre, mediocre quarterback. He frustrated me a lot of the times because, you know, they pretty much sucked for a number of years. But I gained a whole lot of respect for him after this quote. And this is what he said. He said, after filing for divorce, Kristen Cavallari, okay, that's what her name is, wanted former Chicago Bears quarterback to give her $5 million so she could buy a mansion. In response, Cutler froze all of his bank accounts so she couldn't access the money and told her to, quote, get a job, unquote. (laughs) I thought that was brilliant. Here's why I think that's brilliant. It was written in one of the articles that she claimed that Jay Cutler, her husband, was quote-unquote lazy. And the reason why she said that he was quote-unquote lazy was because after his football career, he decided not to pursue any other work. Now, he was in the league for what I believe was around 13, 14 years. And he made a shit ton of money. You know, he signed a big contract in Chicago. He signed, you know, a a deal with Miami. I think he was in Miami for like one year. I mean, he made obviously over a million dollars. You know, I don't know what the contract was, but he had plenty of money. And so he was actually trying to get into broadcasting. Usually a lot of ex-NFL players try to get in the broadcasting booth because obviously they can talk football. It brings some credibility to the network that they're working for. And then of course they make a really good salary and it's something that they can use, you know, so they're kind of double dipping. So not only do they have their money that they've made over a course of a career, they get their retirement from the NFL. The NFL does have a pension plan and then they double dip where they, you know, they, either start a business, they go into broadcasting, or they, you know, they make investments or whatever it is that they do. So that's kind of typical. So Jay decides that he doesn't want to do that. He just wants to kind of chill. And so she calls him lazy. Well, excuse me, what have you ever done? You were on a reality TV show called The OC. Like it doesn't take any hard work or effort to become a reality TV show star. It's the network thinks that, you know, your life is so ridiculous and so crazy that people will actually watch this because it's just like ridiculous. So what have you ever done with your life? Now, I don't know anything about her. Maybe she has a PhD in bioengineering. I don't know. Highly doubtful though. I mean, I don't think that somebody on the OC, which stands for Orange County. So, of course, that's in Orange County, California. So it's probably just a bunch of, you know, upscale, snobby, spoiled, rich people living their lives in Orange County. I highly doubt that, you know, she went for any type of, I don't know, higher education. But... Anyway, that's where she made her money. I mean, it's pretty obvious. 
she marries a football player. Let's be real here. She married the football player because he makes a lot of money. She didn't marry, you know, a school teacher. She didn't marry a, you know, salesman. She married a football player. So she knew what she was doing as far as getting her finances in order. Then she calls him lazy. Then she divorces him and then expects him to give her $5 million to go buy a mansion. And then he says, get a job. (laughs) Love it. That's poetic justice. Now, from what I do understand, from what I read too, is that he actually had a prenup. So Jay, big props, big props to you. You know what? I got to go ahead and I actually got to clap. I'm going to clap for you. Excellent, excellent job. I may not have liked you as a football player, but man, I have a respect for you that I never thought I would have. So big props to Jay Cutler in, in doing what he needs to do to fight against this BS marriage law stuff, because that's what it is. It's BS marriage law stuff. You know, she's trying to extort money from him. Let's just call from what it is. She was trying to extort money out of him for really something that she didn't really do. She didn't really earn that. She didn't earn all that money. But it's funny, right? They think they're entitled to money that they didn't earn. Just because you signed a marriage document. It's unbelievable to me. It's it's one of the worst, it's one of the worst business decisions ever. And for some reason or another, we are fed this crap. And we're led to believe that this is a smart thing to do as men. Well, I just gave you two examples of why it isn't. And there's a million examples out there. I just gave you two. So think on that, gentlemen. You know, is what you're doing really in the benefit of yourself? Because let's be honest here. The only people that I think you can trust in this life is yourself and your parents. If you have good parents. Now, obviously, you know, everybody's childhood and everybody's parents are different, but if you have supportive parents, they will always have your back no matter what. And your, you will always have your own back. You know, it's a gamble. Marriage is just, it is, it's a gamble. You're playing with your life. You're playing with your assets. You're playing with your happiness. You're playing with your sadness. You know, is is that move really something you want to do? Is that something you really want to do? <laughs> I don't know. It it complicates things. And that's just putting it very lightly. I mean, it can literally ruin lives. Just because you signed a piece of paper. All that goes away. Like, I don't know. I'm I'm not sold on it. I think it's I think it's a crock. I think it's a huge crock. I think it's a huge scam now. If you were to change marriage law and make it equal, like you know, we want to talk about, you know, and we've talked about this on the show. If you want to make women and men equal in the true sense of the word, change marriage law, change child child custody laws make it beneficial for everybody if you make it advantageous for everybody I'll change my opinion 
I'll change my opinion. See, I don't have a problem with the monogamy part. That's not an issue for me. The, the issue I have is the way that everything's set up. It goes against the man in so many different ways. It's not beneficial. You know, and you can argue, you know, well, Austin, you can get a prenup. Sure, you can get a prenup, but then you're already starting the marriage out on a negative platform. Unless the, the woman that you're with, God bless her soul, if she's actually okay with it, like in the true sense of the word, she's not just saying it to make you feel better or she's saying an obligation. Like she true, truly deep down in her heart really believes that a prenup is, you know, it's it, that doesn't affect anything and she's completely okay with it. Yes, do a prenup. If a prenup, you know, if and most of the time that doesn't that doesn't happen. Most of the time, women are just not in favor of prenup because that says, well, you're already planning for this to fail, right? But you go ahead and you you get your prenup, and then you know she has a grudge out for you the entire time. But you know that's that's what I would do, and. I want to look more into these prenups and I want to see how effective they are because I've heard on several different occasions that prenups really aren't the, um, I guess you could say financial insurance that men think it is. There's ways of getting around it from what I understand. Now I have to do my research on that and I have to, you know, do my homework on that and find that out. But that's what's, I haven't heard that they're full, that they're foolproof. I've heard that prenuptial agreements, there are some things, you know, there's some holes in there and there's some loopholes that you can get around in, in court of law. So maybe that's something I'll take a look at. So that's my take. So what do you guys think? What do you guys think about the email, you know, the intellectual property rights of Chris Cornell's music. It, well, I should say not his music, but his band's music. And his wife. Does she? Do you think that she has any argument? Does she have any right to claim royalties off of that work that she didn't create? That's question number one. Question number two: What do you think about the Jay Cutler and Christy? I think that's her name. We'll call her Christy. <laughs> what do you think about that? I mean, he earned the money. I mean, she made money off, off of the reality show. So it wasn't like she brought zero to the table. But I mean, I'm not sure exactly besides the reality TV money. I don't see how she contributed to the marriage. You know, So if you want to call him lazy, well, sorry. Um, he dedicated his life to a sport. He was an athlete. He dedicated himself to being in shape. He trained. He played college football. He got drafted in the first round. He played for a number of years. He wasn't just a quarterback that was in the league for two or three years and then and then you know wasn't able to keep his career on track. He played in the played in the NFL for like 12 or 13 years. So you're telling me that he didn't do anything? Come on. The blood, sweat, and tears, the and the amount of, of sacrifice athletes make, I mean, people just don't they don't see that. They just see what's on what happens on Sundays. So you need to fall back and you need to really sit back here and think, okay, well, why would I be calling my husband lazy if he made all those millions of dollars and 
I'm living this lifestyle now that literally he's providing me. Because let's be honest here, she's not going to live that lifestyle if it's just her on her own. But what do you think about that? I mean, I thought it was great. I thought that was a great quote. Hey, you want to live in a mansion? Get a job. If you want this lifestyle to continue, get a job. You want to divorce me? <laughs> so what do you guys think about that? Let me know. Email me at thelostart@yahoo.com. And up next, we're going to have Jersey on and we're going to get into some excellent topics. So stay tuned and we'll see you here on The Lost Art. What's up, guys? It's your man, Austin. We're back here for another episode of The Lost Art. Thank you for joining me as usual. I appreciate you guys being here. So what I want to do is, well, first, again, make sure that you guys reach me at thelostart at yahoo.com for all your emails and contacts. I love hearing from you guys, and I love talking to you guys about whatever comes to mind. So again, if you have a question or you just have a comment about something, you agree with me on something, you disagree with me on something, make sure you shoot me an email, thelostart@yahoo.com. Remember also to tell your friends that we're on the Anchor app and we're also on Apple uh, just recently. So if you guys can give me a shout out and refer me, that would be great. The more people that listen, the better. So that way I can invest more time into the podcast. Remember, The more listeners that I have, the more motivated I'm going to be to make this podcast better. So let them know. So today we actually have a guest and we're going to go ahead and introduce him. He's a good friend of mine. His name's Jersey. And he has a lot of really good insight and a lot of really good opinions about just general topics having to do with alpha males. And so um, I've known him for about two years and um, got to, got to l- learn a little bit about what he's thinking as far as kind of what a alpha male is and what his opinion is of it. And I think he's going to bring a, a nice little bit of uh, spice and a little bit of a uh, little bit of different vibe to the show. So say hi, Jersey. <laughs> What's happening, guys? Looking to play devil's, devil's advocate to Austin sometimes and Though we do agree on a lot, I think it's always good to look at the other side of the coin for discussion. All right, so we're gonna kind of do things. Normally what I do is is on every segment, I have kind of like a topic of discussion and I kind of lay out the foundation for you guys and then I go on from there. So we're gonna kind of do this segment a little bit differently and we're gonna hit multiple topics and we're gonna talk about them. And so this obviously, again, I have to keep repeating myself because we do have female listeners, is that this is a male's perspective show. And again, we talk in generalities because, well, most of the generalities are true. If you're the exception to the rule, that's great. You know, you're going to see a lot of success when it has to do with with men. But, you know, if you're if you fall into this category, then, you know, you might want to take some advice and you might want to reevaluate what it is that you're doing. So uh, are there exceptions to rule? Absolutely. Are you one? I don't know. But what we talk about on the show pertains to a lot between male and female. So again, this is from a male perspective. So 
I just want to keep pointing that out as we go along. So, you ready? Ready. All right. So, let's get into men and video games. And so, this is an interesting topic because what we've been finding out is as, as video games get more and more detailed, you know, back in the day, and just so you guys know, Jersey is the same age as I am. Uh, we used to have to go to arcades to play video games. And so everything was dependent upon us, number one, getting to the arcade, number two, getting quarters without having a job because, you know, we were, you know, little rascals back then and then playing the games. Well, now you have things, you know, online, you have Wi-Fi. So you have, you can basically game from your phone. You can game from your home, the different video game consoles like the Switch, the PS4, the Xbox One. All these different video games are, have now got men kind of cooped up inside the house. And there's actually videos that are out on YouTube and Instagram and things like that. Even TikTok about how women tried to coax men into having sex instead of playing Call of Duty or something, which to me is pretty ridiculous. But that's kind of the way the world works. You know, we've, you know, especially with COVID, we have a lot of time that we get, we spend playing video games because of just how detailed they are and how realistic they are. And plus you can play with your friends. I mean, there's all sorts of crazy options that you can have that just wasn't available um, back in the day. So, you know, it's, it's been, it's been modified. So um, I guess I'm gonna ask Jersey first, what do you think about that? Well, I know that a lot of people get sucked in pretty deep to some of the role play games or you know like i had discussed with you previously that i like games that are just in and out like racing or fighting but you admit just referenced call of duty and i know that's a super popular one that that some guys will just spend hours and hours playing so you know the question is you know we could talk about two different or two men in two different situations here the single man is just preventing him from getting out and socializing and then the taken man that you know, you reference some of them even declining sexual opportunities because they're so engulfed in their game. Um, you know, I certainly personally know some of both and, you know, have had similar arguments with them. And they would tell me that that is, you know, that is a network of friends for them. The whole online playing, they get, you know, some relationship value out of that. I'm a in-person, face-to-face individual myself, but I... I do understand that different people connect in different ways. So, you know, there's a, a lot of angles to look at that. But, you know, if you do, I guess, simple math on the amount of time you spend in your house by yourself versus the amount of time you're out interacting in some way, uh, you know, likelihood of, of meeting women or at least in a, um, as you've put it before, a more natural fashion of, um, genuine interaction all right so i don't know i guess the way i look at it is is you know i, I understand because like you know I pl we played video games as kids i, mean, I had a, a a nintendo a regular nintendo console i still have it this day i still have like you know tech mobile and stuff like that and then i have an n64 that's like my newest game system is an n64 which is like a fossil now and they're actually going to make like a classic one of those now they're going to come out with one of those so but, you know, it was kind of like whenever we were kids, and maybe you can agree with me on this, like we would play it for like a couple of hours, but then we get bored of it and we'd go and do something else. 
You know what I mean? Like we never really spent like the amount of hours that they do today playing video games. I mean, there were times that, you know, we, I don't know, this is just my experience. I'd go over to a friend's house, like, you know, in elementary school and we'd play like, I don't know, Super Nintendo, like all night. But then like the next day we would go and you know, we'd have breakfast and then we'd go outside and throw around the football or we'd go and we would like pretend that we're ninjas or something and, you know, make weapons out of sticks. I mean, just being kids, you know? But it just seems like nowadays, just with everything being so intricate and, you know, kids using like, I don't know, like gaming money to, to buy avatars and um, using those avatars online to represent them. I mean, there's all sorts of, it's like their own world that we didn't have. Do you think that has a little bit to do with like that transferring to adults? I mean, I certainly, you know, think that the, the amount of time that you could play a game before beating it that in itself is a factor. You know, you, you referenced that when we were younger, we had to go to arcades. That's true, but we did have some video game systems, but they were things like the first Nintendo. And you can beat Super Mario in, you know, I mean, you, got, you see people speed beat it on the internet in like seven minutes or whatever, but you know, it can <laughs> yeah. easily be beat in an hour just as a normal kid. But you know, even once you got to Super Nintendo and you, you're working your way through all those different worlds, it takes a long time. And now with things like Call of Duty, I'll keep referencing that one just because it's so popular and it is, again, a, a role play type of deal where you work your way through through many levels. Um, you, you could play endlessly, especially with online. There is no beginning and end. True. And so you can just play until you get bored of it and I would argue that people legitimately lose track of time once they enter that world yeah I can see that yeah I mean you know being the fact that you can actually have you know you, I've seen them like they put on the headsets and they talk to each other and they talk smack I mean it's like they're I mean they don't really have a reason for them to go over to their house and play video games because you can literally talk to them right as you're doing it in real time. And that's something that we didn't have unless we got on the phone and we were playing and, but we weren't playing against each other. We were just playing like our separate games. Like we didn't have a chance to interact like that. So I don't know, it's just, it's, I think it's kind of interesting because a lot of women are like, well, they always, I always hear this phrase and I always say, well, where have all the men gone? Well, some of them are staying at home playing video games. And uh, you know, that's a huge part of what, it, what used to be something that was done with like kids, you know, I would say ages eight to like, I don't know, 16 or even 18 has now moved on to like, we have adults, professionals, you know, living on their own, paying bills, going to work, playing video games, literally from Friday night all the way until uh, Sunday night. So what do you think? I mean, wh where does that leave that interaction with a woman? Like, how are they going to meet women doing that? Well, that's, I mean, that's a, a point that you point that you mentioned that I really hadn't even thought about prior in terms of when we were kids, there weren't video games elaborate enough to interest or entertain adults. They didn't want to sit there and play Mario Brothers on an 8-bit Nintendo. Uh, but now the video games are of life-like quality enough that, and, and I don't know, is it that we grew up playing video games and then therefore just continue playing video games as adults versus when we were kids, our parents didn't play video games and therefore 
you know, they didn't grow up playing them, so they just didn't play them. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, I, I guess the question is, how do we encourage men to put down the controller and go seek a social opportunity? I think that the reemergence of arcades recently is really awesome because it allows both. Um, you know, there's a couple local arcades here that, that I really enjoy going to and play games at very minimal cost. And there's still, you know, if someone were looking to meet, even, you know, whether it's friends of the same sex or certainly opportunities with, um, you know, members to date, they're, they're out and about. A, you know, I had a friend that he was very dependent on video games and then that whole... Um, what's what's the little yellow character? And everybody was out looking for him. It's just escaping me now. There was that. Was it like Pokemon or something? That sorry, Pokemon. Yeah, it's escaping me. So anyway, okay. <laughs> all of the video game dependent people suddenly were like getting out there. Uh -huh. And you know, I told my friend I thought it was dumb, and he's like, "Look, man, I haven't gotten out of my house and went and interacted with people in a really long time, and that made me do that." So. I thought, you know, that was a pretty cool byproduct of, of oh. that game. And um, if you've seen the movie, what is it, Player One? It's it's a sci-fi movie in the last, like, three years. And or was it Gamer? Um, I'll look it up while, while we're talking. But the whole premise was that, you know, everybody had kind of... Oh, gone wait, into wait, the wait. virtual reality world rather than living yeah. in real life. Yeah. And in the end, you know, the kid that won, he got to define the new rules and he basically shut down the system. Uh, I think it was like two days a week or something like that so that people were forced to go out and interact like humans are su supposed to, designed to as social creatures. I vaguely remember that, but that's that's a cool concept. There's a lot of, there's other gamer, there's one called Gamer 2, I think, uh, what's his name? Uh, like Clive Owen or something like that's in it. Um, where he's basically controlled by somebody and he's like a, pris a prisoner and they control him and all his uh, functions to get through stuff and he has to pick up guns and fight his way out of stuff. I mean, it was a really interesting concept, but it's kind of like almost like art imitating life and all that kind of stuff. Ready Player One. Okay, that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that. I, I remember, I vaguely remember that, that game or the, the movie. That's interesting. Um... Well, that's an interesting story. Like uh, Pokemon Go, that was yeah, like the craze. Yeah. That was like a craze for like uh, that summer. I think it was like three years ago. Like it was everybody was going bonkers over Pokemon Go, mm -hmm. and then uh, everyone's out trying to, you know, there was like there's like little hot spots, and people were literally driving their kids to these hot spots so the kids could catch this Pokemon. It was it was insane. It was crazy. Um, I do actually have a story that I just thought of as you were talking about yours that I thought was really interesting. So. My brother-in-law works directly for the San Diego Padres. And when he, he was, a, he was a clubhouse manager, he got brought up to the majors this past year. So he was in the minor league system for 13 years before he got moved up to the major league uh, level to be the clubhouse manager for the Padres. And so he would tell me all the crazy stuff that would go on in the clubhouse and me being a baseball guy, and I loved hearing those stories. But one story that I thought was really interesting was is I, you know, I'd ask him like, yeah, you know, how often these guys go out and party, you know, and 
Uh, you know, I play a little college ball and stuff. And so every time that we get done with the game and it was the weekend, of course, we go to house parties and have a good time. And um, that was kind of part of, you know, being on a team and really enjoying being on a team is not just for, you know, playing the game, but also afterwards, like having that camaraderie and stuff. Well, I asked him, I said, hey, you know, what, what do these guys do when they're like, you know, they have a day off or they get done, they, you know, you guys make playoffs and you guys, what do you guys do to celebrate? And they're like, well, a lot of them will just go to their hotel rooms or go to their places and play video games together. Like that, they literally were, were like excited about that. I was like, are you kidding me? That's nuts. And he's like, he just like shook his head. He's like, yeah, it's, it's not like it used to be. And he, I'm like, that's insane. I mean, because let's, let's be honest here. Like these guys, especially in AAA, they're one step away from making it to the major leagues. So obviously there's going to be a lot of female attention for these guys because they're one step away from making the major leagues. So you'd figure that, you know, women would be all over these guys or close to that. Or, you know, you could just basically say, Hey, you know, I play for so-and-so and that would get them excited because just the stature of playing professional sports is something that women gravitate to in general. Right? So I'm figuring they're going to use that. as kind of like their pickup line. They're like, yeah, they're, they were just excited about go, like getting home after the game and, getting online and playing whatever game that they're, that the team was playing. I was like, that's insane. So it's not just what I'm, the reason me bringing that up is it's not just kind of like the nerdy guy or the loner or whoever you think someone that plays video games do. It's, we're talking about guys that are in the major leagues or ones that are just about to enter the major leagues still do, like participating in that. So I thought that was a really interesting dynamic. Like, I don't know, like, that's really different than what I would I would picture it as. Yeah, that's definitely not the after party that I would envision for a sports team. But I mean, you're, but you're almost saying it as if in any spare moment of a male's life, we should be chasing women. Like maybe that was their their downtime, their relaxed time, their no pressure time. Um, you know, and I'm not sure if you're saying that they went home alone and logged on and played, or if they got together in the hotel room like a group of four of them dudes hanging out yeah and got to game true um because you know i personally i'm more concerned about the guy who's by himself playing video games even if it's online um compared to you know the guy who's using it as a social opportunity i mean you know that my stance is that i like the arcade scenario because um even with the home machine that you and i have played the point is that I really only play it for the most part when someone comes over and I get to play against them. I don't really enjoy playing the computer. Uh, it's, it's a much more lonely experience, which I suppose is why a lot of people go online because then they get that, that plug into other people. Mm. But the point is, you know, it's not, it's still not going to replace human interaction. Uh, I mean, we're slightly deviating from the whole pursuing women concept of that human interaction, but I think that dudes hanging around other dudes is uh, still more socially beneficial and net, you know, a networking concept yeah. than just an online or completely uh, individual gaming experience. I got you. I can, I can get that. Like, I'm not saying that like at all times, I mean, but let's be honest here. I mean, all guys are somewhat in that predator phase where you see a hot girl attractive girl walking or you see I mean all of a sudden that turns on like the ears perk up like a German Shepherd like you know what I mean it's just it's like in, in our innate it's 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 within us to do that it's in our biological DNA to want to do that so 
I guess where I was coming, with, where I was going with that was, is that you know normally like you would, you would just picture athletes after a game, especially on the weekend, wanting to go out to like a bar or a club, as opposed to going home and playing video games. That's just how I see it. Like, but that's a really interesting take. I think that's a, that's a really interesting take. So, if you guys have an opinion about that, again, email me at thelostart at yahoo.com and. Are you guys gamers? Do you guys, would you guys rather stay in than go to a social function? Let me know. And if you don't, let me know. Women, what do you think? Do you think guys play too many video games? Let me know about that. All right, let's go on the next topic. Let's talk about, so last week I went with Jersey to Lowe's to pick up some, I don't know, what was that stuff? It's insulation. Insulation for his garage. I had no idea what the hell it was. And I was like, yeah, I'll go with you. I'll load it up in your truck. So him being a homeowner, him, you know, picking up installation, him being, you know, a little bit of a handyman, this kind of came up and it's, you know, we talked about this for a little while and we said, okay, what's the appeal to women if the guy that you're with, the guy that you're interested in is a handyman, quote unquote, which, you know, can fix anything. If you need flooring put in, you need tile put down, you need your faucet fixed, you have a leak somewhere, this guy can fix it for you. So what's your appeal? You know, are you really, really attracted to that? Are you okay with a guy that may not even be handy? Like he's willing to learn on YouTube, but he's not really naturally handy. Like does one give you more of a, of a feeling than the other. So that's my question to the audience. So I'm gonna let you take this one and run with this one because you have more experience in this department than I do. Okay, I would, I would say that the handyman, like we talk about it in terms of the handyman, but I think really what we're referencing is the interest in fixing and building and the ability to figure things out. So, Men have a natural propensity to, I guess, as low-level engineers, and the more experience we get, the more advanced systems we can take on that we may not have any experience with previous to that. But, you know, we did have a discussion also with a female friend on that, and, you know... The, the girls the girls indicated that they do find it attractive if a man can fix things, but that they are willing to do it themselves if the man doesn't know how and they happen to. Um, you know, we challenge them with the reality of, is that emasculating for your man or is that a turnoff for you? And, you know, I mean, I personally think that it, it probably is, but I don't know how outdated that, that concept is. You know, I've learned to fix some things, but uh, my, my father could build a house with his self, you know, which is the knowledge that he has without any contractors being involved. And I don't claim to be able to build things at that level, but I continue to, to learn and I'm not afraid to figure things out uh, in a house, in a car. Um, I think that, I guess if the man just knows a little more than the woman, then he He's okay. You know, he doesn't have to be able to build a house, but if he can fix the doorknob and she can't, then he seems like a technical genius to her. So, <laughs> yeah. 
you know, I suppose it's a matter of do, do we feel that the role of handyman, and again, as it's labeled handyman for a reason, our friend pointed out, <laughs> uh, it's not handy woman, but how gender restrictive and, and outdated is that term? Well, I think it's a, from my perspective is this, is that if you're, if you're, you know, an alpha and I'm not saying by definition that an alpha has to be a handyman or he has to fix everything in the house. I mean, I definitely know some, some guys that are like that, me not being one of them, but you know, the, I think it's the capacity of, of the willingness to do something like that. Like, you know, instead of going up and, and looking in, you know, looking online and looking at different reviews for handyman to have them, you know, instead of just basically picking up the phone and calling somebody else to come and do it, you're willing to put in the time and effort into doing it. And I think that that goes a long way for a woman and that's kind of sexy to her. That She finds that appealing to a guy um, that can do that. And I just think that, you know, sometimes, you know, especially me, it's kind of tough to admit that I don't have a quality like being a handyman around the house because that's a very masculine qual, you know, very masculine qual. What am I saying here? Quality. Quality. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I think that I think that the capacity of what the guy can do and what he's willing to learn would be appealing to a female looking for something like that. Now. Is it a make or break? I mean, I don't know, ladies. If you have two guys, let's say you're on Tinder or you're on Bumble or some kind of a dating app, and one guy says that he's handy around the house and the other guy isn't, like, how big a deal is that to you? Are you swiping left on the guy that says he's a handyman or is that something that you really don't care about? So that's kind of something that I want you guys to write in about, but I'd second, I don't know, what do you think? Well, I'd add into that by saying, is it, is it his actual technical abilities that you're uh, intrigued by, if that is your stance? Or is it his confidence, his basic um, drive to take on new challenges without, you know, without fear? Like the fact that maybe he doesn't know how to fix that, but he's going he's gonna to give it a shot and he's going to figure it out. Or is it just, you know if somebody is more technical, but less uh, confident in it, does that negate the whole concept of it? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, it's kind of, it's kind of tough because, you know, it's, it's one of those things where like, I feel that if you, it's kind of one of those things that's kind of handed down. Like if your father worked a lot around the house and fixed stuff and was really good at it, I kind of feel like that, you know, if you're, that father, and you're a son and you're watching him, you're gonna learn from that. And not every guy has a, had a father that is gonna, is a handyman. Maybe he was working a lot and he just didn't have the time or he didn't care to learn and he just called up somebody and, and they fixed it because he was like, well, I might as well pay for somebody to do it right than to me spend two weeks, spend a lot of money and time and me do it wrong. And then at the end of the job, it's still wrong. So, I mean, I get both perspectives, but I'm just kind of trying to figure out how important that is to a woman and, you know, and kind of talk to that and, and speak to some of the guys who maybe don't consider themselves a handyman. Like, cause like I said, I mean, I have a lot of skills. There's a lot of things that I do really well, but there's things that, 
I don't really have a clue about and you know, home improve, home improvement's not one of those things. So um, that was just kind of a topic that we just, I don't know, that we just decided to talk about and, and find out what, you know, you guys' opinion is about that. So I think it would be interesting to ask the women specifically in cases that he, the partner in a traditional relationship, cannot fix something. Is it preferred that she be allowed to fix it if she happens to know how, or that they contract someone to do it? I only bring, I mean, it seems like, why would you not let the woman do it? But I only bring this up because I remember a scenario where I had a coworker that was female and they needed something repaired on her and her husband's car and or I think it was her car, but the point is, you know, they were in a relationship, something needed repaired on the car. And, you know, I was telling her uh, a good shop to do it in and gave her some other resources and, and just said, okay, go ahead, you know, call and make the appointment. And she said that she actually, while she appreciated that information, she didn't want to take that away from her her boyfriend. Not that he was going to fix it, just right. that she wanted to allow him to be the man and take care of it. And gotcha. that, I thought that was super interesting. It was like she knew how to take care of it in the same way that he was going to take care of it, but she wanted him to feel like he was the one to do it. He was taking the lead. Yeah, she was just going to give him that. It was almost like she was just feeding his ego to... I mean, just to feed his, his ego yeah. and keep her boyfriend happy. Yeah. It wasn't necessary, but, but she psychologically was taking that approach for him. That's good. That's, that's a good catch. I mean, I think that's, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't want to admit that, but sometimes we do need to be lead on that. Like just making a phone call, you know, not having, the, not having uh, the woman do that. So I think that, that is an interesting take. And, you know, I think that was probably a good move that she made to, you know, give the guy, you know, we talked, I talk about roles on this show all the time, letting the man do man things. That's obviously a good thing. If a woman can recognize that, in my opinion, I don't know. Uh, let's move on to the next thing. So, you know, we have a lot of topics on this guys. So, I mean, like I said, we're, we're changing up a little bit here. I'm sitting here, we're, I'm just drinking a little bit of Johnny Walker. We have uh, Jersey's dog going crazy, getting the, the, the crazy feet running a mile of men around the house. So, I mean, there's some things going on around here, but uh, we're having a good time with it. Zoomies, as they say. Yeah, zoomies. That's right. That's right. My, uh, my German Shepherd used to get the zoomies all the time. Man. Speaking of uh, wolves, I guess you could say house wolves, <laughs> let's go into alpha wolf means lone wolf. So, this is a topic that has you know we've talked about you know obviously this whole show the whole premise of this show is based off of males being allowed or not really being allowed but basically taking control and being men and being allowed to being alphas and we talked you know on a lot of episodes about why being an alpha is important how it's not detrimental to society like the mass media and culture is kind of implied and you know basically Having us be who we are without having any shame in it. And, you know, being an alpha male isn't shameful. I mean, we talk, we defined what an alpha male is. An alpha male isn't some meathead that's on steroids that's, you know, 
uh, has a short temper and all that kind of stuff. That's no, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about somebody that has confidence, someone that is a leader, someone that people look up to. That's what an alpha man is. And you know, we have to define what that is all the time because we have a lot of people that say that it's something else and it really isn't. So uh, we actually pulled up kind of like a little flow chart and um, you know what, Jersey, watch, since you're uh, close to the phone, why don't you go ahead and read off kind of like the, the different types of males that are defined in this flow chart. It's kind of like a Maslow's hierarchy of males, I guess you could call it. So yes. this is this. Um, and not necessarily in the, it, it is somewhat uh, arranged in a hierarchy order, um, but I think there's a little bit of gray overlap in, in some of these roles. But nonetheless, Alpha, the rest assured leader of men whose swagger and aloofness make him very successful with women. Sigma, the lone wolf antithesis of the Alpha, defies placement in the social hierarchy and yet is successful with women. Beta, the worker bees of society. Women will tolerate them if they have ample resources, otherwise they are discarded. As in, do you have money? No, peace. Gamma, <laughs> gammas are bitter or clueless about women. Often they can't grasp red pill concepts and check out of the mating game. I'm not familiar with red pill concepts. But... I'll, 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 okay. I'll get into that. The hopeless, omegas. Omegas are correlated with violent outbursts like shooting sprees because of their total rejection by women. Whoa. Extreme. <laughs> Extreme. <laughs> oh. Have you seen Harold and Kumar? Yes. Go to White Castle? Yes. And they have those guys that are like always doing extreme sports. Oh, like, yeah. Extreme. Yeah, that's right. I remember that. That's what every time I hear that, I always think about that. Oh my God. So anyway, um, let me go into what red pill is because I actually talked about red pill theory on this show a little bit. I didn't, I don't know if I really defined it. So red pill, if you ever watched the matrix, you're sitting there and you're watching matrix number one, right? The original one back in 99, right? And they introduce, uh, Morpheus introduces Neo to the concept of a red pill and a blue pill. And so the red pill as Morpheus tells him, is basically everything that you want to know that is real in this world. Every truth to what's going on. The blinds will be lifted. You know, knowledge will be dispersed about what's really real in this world. And if you take the blue pill, ignorance is bliss. You go about your life like, it, you know, like our meeting never happened. None of this crazy stuff that's really real is going to enter your mind because you are forever going to be stuck in this world of what you perceive reality to be. So when they talk about red pill, they talk about basically men's interaction with women. Um, there's a lot of different theories about this that I can't really go into on this segment, but to go into a little bit about it, there's a, a thing called uh, MGTOW. And so that stands for men going their own way. And so what the whole idea of men going their, their own way is, is basically men, um, well, it's, it's kind of based off of marriage. And I talked about this on the last episode and basically how marriage isn't beneficial to the man in today's society, how society doesn't condone marriage, how marriage law is mostly in favor of the woman. And there really isn't any benefit to uh, a man getting married and following along these social norms with all that is with marriage. So 
that's kind of what it's about in a nutshell. I can go into a, a whole segment on that, but that's really what that is. So when we refer to red pill, that's what it is. So I just want to make sure I define that. So let's go back to the subject at hand. And the subject at hand is, is we defined kind of, you know, alphas. And when we talk about an alpha, we, we, again, we look to somebody that's has bold characteristics is smart. People look up to him as a leader. Uh, he has good characteristics that not only attract females, but also attract males, not in a sexual way, but in a way that attracts them to want to be like him because he gives such a good, um, I don't know, uh, he just projects himself well and guys want to emulate that. So do you think that alpha males by definition are lone wolves? What do you think? Well, it's interesting because, you know, we just talk about alphas and betas and, you know, looking at those definitions, why would anybody want to be a beta? But someone has to be a beta. You know, we're talking on this show, trying to promote alphas to feel comfortable being alphas and for, you know, men who maybe are not living um, an alpha lifestyle, if you will, to start to you know, be a little more forward and embrace some of those concepts with confidence. But at the end, you can't have a pack of all alphas. There's an alpha and then there are others, or you just have a big dog fight. You know, I had said, I had made a comment to my girlfriend at one point about um, some, some of the idiots just you know, listening to the dumb stuff on Facebook, everybody's got lots of opinions and some people are happy to follow without doing any actual research to better understand things. And I was complaining about it and she just pointed out that, uh, you know, shepherd need sheep and sheep need a shepherd. And so inevitably they're going to have to be, you know, leaders and followers. Um, you know, and I brought this topic up with you because, you know, personally, I, I consider us both to be alpha personalities and yet we're friends and how does that work? You know, are there times that, that two alphas can get along, but where does that then become a conflict? That's, that's kind of what I want to pose back to you for discussion is, um, like you have, I know a a group that you run and Mm -hmm. you know, would, would you, I've never attended this, so I can't speak to it at all, but you know, would you say that it contains a lot of alphas? And if it does, how, how do those dynamics work? Well, the, the, just so you guys know, the group that he's referring to is, is that I kind of, def- I devised a group because I just kind of saw a lot of people needed it. Well, it's called a German Cigar and Bourbon Club. And so it's, it's kind of exactly how it sounds. Just a bunch of, you know, cool guys getting together, having some drinks, you know, having a few cigars and just kind of talking about life and whatever comes up. Usually it's women, usually it's, you know, what we're drinking, sports, you know, it's just kind of stuff that guys have. And so the reason why I developed this, um, this group is because there was just a need for it. There was a lot of my friends that were like, man, it'd really been nice to get out of the house and get away from the wife. And it would be really, it'd be really nice to get around the guys. Cause you know, as you get older, um, you know, above your thirties, if, if that's what you want to call it, um, it's, it's really tough for guys to get together because they have, you know, the wife thing, they have the family thing, they have the girlfriend thing, the fiance thing. And so, you know, they just want a little guy time. They want a little camaraderie. I mean, it's, it's, they want some male bonding. And then that's, that's what 
we need as, as men. Some men need it, some, some don't, but I just saw there was an opportunity to do it. So that's what I, that's kind of one of the groups that I run. It's on Facebook. So we get together and yeah, there's definitely alpha males there. I mean, there's guys from all walks of life. There's guys that, you know, run businesses. There's guys that uh, have been, you know, business professionals and work in sales. I mean, there's guys that, um, you know, are teachers. There's guys that, you know, want to be firemen like myself. I mean, there's, there's just, there's just guys that are all from all walks of life and we all just get together with the common, with a common interest. And the common interest is, is good cigars, good bourbon, good conversation. And that's what it is. And so to answer your question, you know, I think it's doable because I think other alpha males can motivate alpha males. I think that's a, that's a doable thing. And, you know, I don't think that, especially me growing up, I, I don't think I was, cons- I wouldn't consider myself an alpha male growing up. I had to kind of learn what it was to be a leader, learn what it was to have those characteristics and get out of my comfort zone and, and be okay with, you know, be comfortable with, you know, with being uncomfortable. And so I think that that is something that's kind of learned. Like, so there might be some guys out there listening that might be sigmas. There might be some guys out there that might be gammas or omegas or whatever, you know, whatever it is that you feel that you fall, you know, that you feel that you're a part of. Well, you don't have to worry. I mean, if you're okay with where you're at, fine. That's, that's, that's great. I'm not saying that you have to be an alpha too. If it doesn't fit your personality and it doesn't fit your comfort zone, um, and you don't want to change, then I guess that's okay. What I'm saying is, and the whole point really of the show is, is to say, look, it's okay to want to be an alpha. If you're not there yet, there's ways and means that you can get there. And, you know, joining these groups, I think it's important that you learn from other guys and want to emulate some of the characteristics that you desire to have. So that's kind of my my answer to that one. I mean, do you think that like I don't know? I'd, I would go back to high school, because okay. that's you know I know it's kind of that's a really pivotal part in a man's life is high school. Where did you see yourself then? Did you did you think that you were an alpha back then? Uh, personally, probably not. I think that some of that comes from having success with women. I mean, that's kind of, um, yeah, almost like one of those chicken or the egg deals, but because I think that as you develop confidence, you become better with women. And as you become better with women, you develop confidence. And I think that that's a big part of, of, uh, you know, being an alpha essentially. And, you know, like you said, though, in high school, people are finding them starting to find themselves. And I mean, you haven't even necessarily, you know, finished going through puberty by any means. And so, you know, sometimes you graduate high school and then in college you gain 30 pounds of muscle. And that's, you know, you become a whole different person in terms of your level of attractiveness to the other or, or the freshman sex. 15 because you're drinking too much right you can, go, you can go either way you can go either way um but i mean in, in high school I, I wasn't certainly wasn't as confident as i became uh throughout college you know and i would attribute that to having positive experiences yeah in in my approaches with with women among other things i saw the video last weekend <laughs> <laughs> uh, we had a we had a wild twenties video that my buddy had put together, and uh, that's when Austin and I realized how much we were alike during that time. 
that we didn't even know each other. Yep. But, pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, so for those of you out there that think that you are an alpha, do you believe that you're the only alpha in your group? Uh, further, do you feel that that makes you a lone wolf? You know, Austin's one of my few guy friends. I don't have a lot of guy friends. Uh, I tend to get along better with women or find less drama in my life because of it. Women are drama for each other and, you know, men can be drama for each other, probably less so than, than with women. But, um, you know, I explained to Austin that I don't typically hang around with a bunch of dudes except when I'm on a soccer team because it's just simpler that way. And that's how we got on the topic of does being an alpha wolf make you prone to be a lone wolf? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting take. I mean, I don't know. I came from it from a different perspective. I came from it from, you know, it's, you do get a lot of confidence and a lot of reassurance as a male whenever you hang around with other alpha males. Like, it's kind of like, I use it as kind of like the example, like, if you guys have been watching the uh, the Last Dance with Michael Jordan and the whole history of the Bulls and how that got to be a dynasty, he Michael Jordan is, is one of the biggest alpha males I've ever seen in my life, and he just made everybody around him better. And you know, there was a lot of time. There, I mean, if you listen to the interviews, they say you know Michael Jordan was an asshole. He was demanding. He was he was, it was just uneasy all the time. Like people feared him because he just demanded so much out of his teammates. But guess what? They won six championships you know, in a, in the nineties. And before that, they never won any championships. So, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where if you play with somebody that's better than you, you're going to naturally get better. Well, if you're with somebody that just, you know, that has and displays alpha male tendencies, you're going to become an alpha male just because you're in their presence. You're going to learn those things. You're going to develop those skills to get to that point. So I think it's good to hang around other alpha males Again, I think where you see drama and fights all the time is you're talking about guys that aren't alpha males, that are trying to be alpha males by showing off their physicality. And to me, that's not really what it is. You know, I mean, does an alpha male ever back down whenever, you know, for example, if someone was to go up to your girlfriend and disrespect them, you're going to go and approach them and you're going to, you know, there's going to be a confrontation because you're going to, you want to protect right? Well, it's the same thing. It's like, you want to make sure that you're doing that, but you're not doing that just because you want to put one over on another guy. You don't want to, you don't want everyone to make somebody look bad in a situation because you want to show everybody how strong you are, how tough you are. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about physicality in a way where you're protecting somebody doing the right thing. That's how I, I appreciate you clarifying that because I would, I would say that in most cases, I would let my girlfriend handle it for herself. Um, you know, I trust that that women can generally, I mean, some women are a little stronger personalities or better at, at handling uh, intense such situations than others, but you know, you, you kind of want to give them the opportunity to handle it themselves. And then if you feel like they are in physical danger, you know, you are, naturally inclined to want to interject. Um, you know, I mean, I feel like I would even do that if it was just two guys and one guy was about to get whooped up on, you know, without good reason and whatnot. Um, 
you know, and I'll just say that I know that you had shared a similar story with me where, you know, you were kind of caught in an awkward situation where, you know, you saw a friend that, that maybe needed someone to interject, but, you know, you're not part of, of that person's relationship, you know, between the guy and the girl. And it's a, an awkward um, scenario where you don't know, do you help? Is it not your place? You know, where's, where's the line? Um, you know, I try to stay out of it. Yeah. You, you did stay out of that. Um, but I think I needed another beer. I think I need to go and find another beer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but no, on a serious note, I mean, I did. I, I, I stayed out of it because I didn't feel it was my place. And I, I didn't think that she was in any danger. I just thought that, you know, she was, she was just kind of taking a verbal beating in a way. And she handled it really well and nothing really happened of it. But I mean, I could just, you know, but it was my natural instinct to watch and kind of see what the dynamic was there. And when you were talking about, you know, men essentially having to rise to the occasion, you know, in the Michael Jordan scenario, um, you know, I think, and I didn't watch whatever documentary you did, so I'm not sure what his approach was in demanding that from his teammates. But I would like to think that, that he, although demanding, uh, was taking an approach of, of building them up. Like, Pippin, I know you can do better than that. You're giving me 80% out there. Like, give me 100. You know, not saying, like, what the hell is wrong with you? Dude, you shot like shit tonight. That's kind of what he did. <laughs> it's uh, actually good. It's on ESPN. I don't know if... Uh, there's all these different streaming services now. I can't keep them straight. But um, they do two episodes a week. And so you can go back and watch episode one, episode two, episode three. And so I've, I've stayed up with them because, I mean, obviously he was... I mean, I consider Jordan to be the best basketball player that ever lived. There's going to be people that argue about it. And there's people that are going to say it's LeBron. They're going to say it's Kobe. They're going to say it's uh, Walt Chamberlain. There's all sorts of people that are out there are going to say it. But I'm just saying right now, like, on record, Jordan's the best that, that's ever been. And just watching the, kind of his background and stuff, I mean, shit, man. He's, he's the alpha omega. <laughs> he's like... So far ahead. Of, end all be all. Yeah, kind of the end all be all. And I think that's why he was successful. And I think that's a really good example of, of taking someone that had such a strong alpha personality and uh, just it just excelled. And it was just the best that, that, that there was. But do you think that when you were talking about it earlier prior to that, I don't remember what statement you were making, but it, it made me think that really the the alphas that you see being super successful with other alphas are because they understand that you work better as a team you and another alpha are either going to totally cock block each other <laughs> yeah or you're going <laughs> to pimp it together that's really what's going to happen you're either working together and just then then not squabbling over some girl you know if she if maybe you're interested in some girl but the girl seems to be interested in your buddy help your buddy don't be a dick don't be a fool. Hey, you hearing that, guys? Amen. You want to guide it. You want to guide it, not not block it. <laughs> if you're if you're not going to be successful with that woman, that doesn't mean screw it up for the rest of your group. That's right. That's right. L- Long term plan. She may have friends. Get get out of the the <laughs> single night mindset. That's, that's uh, right. That's another big thing. You need to ice man it. 
Iceman it, yeah. You need to Iceman it, or you need to goose it. You need to do something. <laughs> but you need to be a wingman somehow. Because guess what? That's going to come back to you tenfold in karma. Remember that. <laughs> All right. What else we got on the agenda here? Trying to attract what you are commonly calling social or public figures on Instagram per se. Oh yeah, we talked about this. So gentlemen, 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 gentlemen. So I get the question sometimes, um, you know, do you ever, I don't know what, do you ever hit on or try to get with quote unquote Instagram models or public figures? And my answer, my, my answer to that is no. And the reason being is because not that I couldn't, it's just I don't choose to. And the reason being is for a lot of reasons. Um, I'm not saying that they're, that they would be bad women to date because obviously I don't know who they are, but there's obviously a reason why they're doing what they're doing. Now it could be because, you know, that's, literally part of their job and that's what they have to do for their job. And obviously I don't have a problem with that, but then there's some that choose to do this and it's not their job. It has nothing to do with their profession. It has nothing to do with them creating income. It just has everything to do with them getting likes. And so I kind of gave you guys like a playbook and I said, well, if you guys are going to go after these public figures, quote unquote, are you going to go after these Instagram models? then there has to be a kind of like a course of action. So the course of action is, is that number one, you have to be in their presence. You have to meet them face to face. If you are just some guy that is complimenting them on every single photo they post, you like every photo that you post, you're one of those guys, it's like, oh, you're so beautiful, this and that and this and that. They're gonna look at you as a fanboy and you're not gonna have any shot. You have to be different from the masses. And the masses are doing exactly what I just described. So you have to stand out. So maybe you don't even talk about her looks, you talk about something else. Where's, where was the photo shoot at? Um, I don't know, maybe if she's, in a, you know, if she's in a forest and she's on a, I don't know, on a dirt bike or something, posing on it. You know, oh, I have that same type of dirt bike, maybe even, you know, even though you don't, but you, you just, you, you talk, <laughs> you say something different. That's my point. You say yes. something different that not every guy is saying and that makes you stand out. And then of course, getting in front of them. So like if, say for example, and I was giving this example to Jersey earlier, if you are a guy that lives in the Midwest somewhere like Missouri or something, and you're trying to talk to some girl in California, I mean, what are the odds that that's gonna happen? None. You have to be, you know, you have to be with somebody or get in front of somebody that you're interested in that, that you can make direct contact with. Like, hey, you meet them out at a club. Hey, she might be promoting at this club. You show up to that club and you don't be weird about it. You bump into each other and you make com- small conversation, you know, small talk. But you cannot hit on somebody that's not in your state. Like that's just, that's rule number one <laughs> to me. Um, rule number two, don't compliment on every single photo that they post. You know, you can not like something and, you know, go on that way for a few days. And then if you like a photo, yeah, compliment it, compliment her on it, but not something that has directly to do with her. Like maybe like, I don't know, the filter or the, what she's, you know, what she's posing on. Like I said, if she's on a dirt bike and she's doing her dirt bike, she'd talk about the dirt bike instead of her. Like anything that takes the attention away or makes something original to you. That's how I would start out. I mean, yeah, it's essentially what the you same as, as a pickup line. Yeah. You, know, you don't want to be the, she's used to 
you know, again, she, in a generic sense here, is used to, you know, guys coming up to her at the bar and saying, you know, you're beautiful, can I buy you a drink? I never buy girls a drink. Other people have different philosophies on that, but my argument is, if you have to buy someone a drink to have a conversation with you, they don't actually want to have a conversation with you. Um, we can hit that another time. But point is, like Austin was saying, I would, I would encourage guys to find something unique about her, uh, but avoid the physical, um, more so in an Instagram situation than in person. But you know, you, you want to try to get their attention, connect with them. I mean, I'm not an advocate of long distance relationships. So starting one with someone you don't even know is probably unrealistic. Um, you know, the, these public figures that we're talking about have, you know, 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 followers. What chance do you think you stand? If you saw that girl's inbox, you hopefully would give up on winning the lottery, but you're not, not going to have any chance in actually getting enough interaction or engagement with her to, to get any traction. Uh, Austin had mentioned in another conversation, you know, if if you learned that you guys happen to go to the same gym, then you might be so fortunate as to run into her there or whatnot and make, make small talk slowly. But I always go back to the laws of supply and demand. They apply to about everything. And if you are an ample supply, you have diminished your demand. So liking every photo, you're, you're just her little puppy dog that um, comes in and licks her face every time she posts a pic. You know, she's not looking for that dude. She has thousands of that dude. But, you know, some people would maybe argue that, you know, well, why can't I compliment this person? They're, you know, she's beautiful. I wanna tell her, you know, in every photo that I think she's beautiful, that she's beautiful. Fine if you wanna be a fan, but that's what you are, you're a fan. You're not a, you're not a peer, you're not an equal, you're a fan. Well said. Well said. So, I mean, and then you know what? This also applies to, I guess you could say, quote unquote, regular women. I don't like to say regular women because these quote unquote public figures, I don't even know what the hell that means. Like you, you put your ass in a, in a thong and, you know, 10,000 people like you. I mean, does that make you a public figure? Like, can I talk to you about like international trade? You know, and some of the you know economic problems that the United States is facing while you're uh, you know posing half naked on Instagram, like no, like public figure, like I don't know, that just that's such a weird, I don't know, that's like a new term that I just have kind of a problem with. But to let me rephrase this, so for women that don't consider themselves public figures and they're just doing their thing, um, and she's really attractive and she's really beautiful, you have to come with it a different way. You just have to. And whatever that way is, I mean, I can tell you right now, like what we just talked about, you can't like every photo. You can't compliment her on physical attributes. You have to talk to her about other attributes that you find interesting and then carry on a conversation from there. And then, you know, the first, the thing that guys make a mistake on, and I've been guilty of this too, is asking for the date too quick. You know, you want to establish a rapport there and you want to make sure that she's comfortable with you before you go ahead and you take that plunge. Because if you, if she looks at you like you're the creepy guy and then you ask for the date, that ain't going to happen. But I mean, you have to establish a rapport there. You have to know when to drop that. You have to know when to drop that, that question. So 
you know, make sure you're mindful of that, of that whenever you're trying to meet somebody, I guess you would say online. And again, we're talking about social media here. We're not talking about like Bumble and, Bumble and Tinder and Hinder and whatever else is out there. <laughs> so I don't know. That's what I got to say. You got anything else to say about this? Uh, well, I, I would, I would say, or I would uh, pose back to you, um, I agree that you don't want to jump straight into the request uh, to asking the girl out. You know, however, what tips do you have for your listeners in a scenario where you don't have that luxury, where this isn't someone that you see at the gym on a regular basis or at work? You have whatever number of seconds in a grocery store and you want to attempt to pick up on this girl. How do you approach her? Well, you approach her obviously in a non-creepy way. And what I mean by that is you don't go up to her and be like, oh, I think you're so beautiful kind of thing. Like, cause I've been trying to, <laughs> I want to see what's under that face mask. It's, there you go. It's not been working well for me, but I just, you know, thought I'd give that a shot. There's some, there's, there's, that would actually work, you know, or get her to, get her to laugh at something. What's up, guys? Hey, just so you guys know, you know, we like I said at the very first episode, we we keep it ghetto fabulous in here. So, what happens is is that if we go above an hour on a segment, then it immediately cuts us off. And so, we're just going to go ahead and kind of connect the dots here, and we're going to go ahead and continue on from that question. So, the question that Jersey posed to me was, "What would you do? What would you say in a scenario where?" you are at a grocery store and you only have a limited amount of time with a woman to pick up on her, hit on her, however you want to say it, get her phone number. So my response to that is, is what I would do is I would approach her in a way that's obviously non um, aggressive. I would stand shoulder to shoulder with her, but not get like face to face with her because that's really intimidating. And I would just kind of, you know, make a, you know, some light conversation. I would say, you know, um, well, I would look and I'd try to find something or at least observe something that we both have some commonality with. So like if I saw that she was wearing, um, a sports team shirt, like Arizona Cardinals t-shirt or something, I would say, oh, you're an Arizona Cardinals fan. Like how long have you been an Arizona Cardinals fan for? Or were you, how can you be a fan of the Arizona Cardinals? They suck. You know, something like that. Like it's kind of playful, but it, you know, there's going to be a response to that. She's not going to feel threatened if I say, well, you know, I see you're an Arizona Cardinals fan. Why? They suck. And then, you know, her response would be like, well, why? What's your team? And then I would go, you know, that, that, that would create some pretty good banner there. Or, you know, she's, uh, you know, picking out, um, I don't know if she's like in the meat section and she's getting like some steak, I'd be like, you know, Oh, are you getting that for your boyfriend? And then she, you know, she'd be like, well, I don't have a boyfriend. And I'd be like, Oh, well in that case, I'll be over for, to your house for a steak dinner at six 30. Does that work for you? Like something like that, something playful, something interesting. That's how I would do it. Um, I'll admit I'm not really great in, grocery stores. I've never actually picked up a girl at a grocery store. So maybe this probably isn't my forte, but I've used those type of ways uh, in different settings and they've worked pretty well for me out in public. 
Um, just not necessarily in a grocery store, but Jersey said grocery stores, so I'm going with grocery stores. So um, that's kind of where I'm going with that. Uh, Jersey, what do you think? Um, I think it, you had good advice at the beginning of your commentary in terms of you know coming up in a, a playful but not overly aggressive approach. Um, look at the product that they're buying, and you know I mean honestly, you might have to fake that you're buying something in the same area so that you're not doesn't appear you're just approaching them to hit on them. No, um, one sports you know example was good. You know, the more the more unique and random that you can you know find something to connect with them on the better you know like as he was saying that i was thinking like oh if they have a rick and morty t-shirt um just something that not like a jillion people follow like the cardinals is ideal but if all you have is the cardinals go for that i would probably say that the the steak meeting is a little aggressive um but at least you didn't ask if she wanted some of your sausage (laughs) there you go you're the Italian sausage. That's right. Just because you know, I'm half Italian. <laughs> well, I'm in it in a playful way. I wasn't actually inviting myself over. But hey, you know, it kind of leaves the door open. Like, she's like, all right, well, 630 works. I'm like, shit, I'm going to get a, a steak dinner with a girl that I think's hot at, at the grocery store. I mean, let's be real. It's probably not going to happen, but it leaves the door open. Uh, I mean, realistically, most girls are either going to respond in a way that encourages you to keep interacting with them or they're going to shut you down and you need to just you know just take that hit and go lick your wound somewhere i mean really you shouldn't even feel like you have to go lick your wound you just you just let it go and chalk it up to experience you know the the probability of success in uh zero out of ten attempts is uh zero if you try zero times whereas you know if you actually make ten attempts you know even if you get one 10% 10% is better than 0%. So give it give it a run. Mathematical, yes. Yes, math. Thank you uh, <laughs> for verifying that. Point is simply that if you take no risks, you get no reward. The idea is to push yourself out of your comfort zone that you referenced earlier and then just kind of try to actually learn from those experiences. If that didn't work, try something different next time. If that didn't work, try something different next time. Figure out what gets a conversation going, what keeps a conversation going, and what sticks your foot right in your mouth. I like it. I like it. So, gentlemen, here's something else I would like you guys to write about. What it, What is the most awkward place that you've ever hit on a woman and you've been successful? Or unsuccessful. Yeah, is there a good? Is there a really good story that you guys are willing to tell us? Like, you know, you just just fell flat on your face and it was funny. Like, you can laugh about it now, but like, you were like ready to like cry and like you know write some poetry afterwards, maybe at the beginning. <laughs> I don't know because I mean, there's you know there's there's times. I mean, everyone's been rejected. I mean, it's part of being a man. I mean, we we're the, we're the aggressors. We have to be the ones that ask. We're the ones that have to approach women. Um, we've all gone through it. You know, we've all gone through it. So, you know, let me, let me, let me ask that question to you guys. Where, what is, it could be either or. What is the most awkward place that you guys have hit on women that it's worked? Or what is the most awkward place that you've hit on women that it didn't work? So, I mean, obviously, if you had success stories, you know, say where it was and what, what the situation was. Give us, you know, pay us a picture. And then if it didn't work out, you know, same thing. Pay us a picture. Where was it? 
Um, you know, why do you think it didn't work? What'd she say? You know, we're all about humor on this show. We'd like to laugh. I mean, you know, if you guys share, we'll share. Let's do it that way. So I'm not playing the, you show me mine. <laughs> well, it's not going to get to that point, but you know, the, the, I'm trying to, you know, encourage, you know, I'm trying to encourage the guys here because we haven't really been hearing so much from the guys, you know, the women like to be a little chatty. So they're, ones, they're the ones that are writing in for the most part. I have a few guys writing in, but not enough. So I'm, I'm trying to get the guys involved here. Fair enough. All right. So let's go ahead and talk about future topics. So future topics, single night mindset. So Jersey, elaborate on that. Uh, just the guy who goes out super intent on scoring that night, not really taking the long game into consideration. Um, you know, I would even if that is your goal, I would say that if you, you know, work a longer game, um, and we'll talk more in depth about it. But the point is that you're likely to be successful if you don't just ooze desperate or overbearing I'm trying to bang you so <laughs> yeah they don't usually like that no it's not it's not a uh, a really becoming quality of a of a guy for a woman if that's going on so I can I can relate with that uh, let's talk about build social connections so build so- social connections kind of explains itself um, there's a lot of ways that you guys can go about doing that. We'll discuss what you can do. What are some strategies on how to build your social network, uh, professionally and personally. So we'll get into that supply and demand in interactions with women. So this is the Jersey subject that he likes to describe here. So we'll go ahead and describe it. You know, just basic laws of supply and demand applying to things outside of economics. You cannot, you know, have an ample supply of yourself available to women or you do not become an item that appears in demand. A lot of guys make that mistake when they get a girl's number and then they're just like texting them incessantly and the girl is just like, whoa, this dude's nuts, go away. Like you don't even know what's happening on the other end, but as someone who has a lot of female friends, I but hear it's it. happening. <laughs> it's happening. It's happening. It's happening. And well, we'll I'll, I'll give you guys a little a hint right now. If she's not responding, it's probably not a good idea to send a dick pic. <laughs> just saying. I mean, you can. Just don't send your own and don't expect uh, anything positive to come out of it. Yeah, that's, that's, that's not a good strategy. There's actually a meme for that. That's why it came up. I mm. think that's why I said it. All right. Last thing. No one to walk away. So um, at first I thought Jersey was talking about like no one to walk away from a relationship, but that's not what he was talking about. So what were you talking about? So if, like with what we were talking about at the grocery store, so twofold here um, in a scenario where you're only going to see that person, you know, that one time and you don't seem to be having success. Don't just keep on it. Read her signals. Uh, you know, don't get so wrapped up in your pride that you just keep hitting on this girl that clearly is just not interested. You know, she it, it, don't take it personal. She may not be in the right mindset. Um, she may just not be attracted to you and there's nothing you can say that's going to change that. And so you just need to just go, uh, just, you know, appreciate the interaction that you had and, you know, take a learning experience from it and walk away. But 
The other way to look at this is in a long-term game, if it's somebody that you do see on a regular basis, you want to, as I put it, leave the conversation before it's over. So you meet someone at the gym, you're talking to them, just it's kind of like give them a taste and then peace out. You know, you, you don't want to, you want to leave before the girl wants you to leave. And then it leaves her intrigued and you'll have another opportunity to keep on that at another time. Leave her wanting, leave her wanting, gentlemen. She wants some more. Leave him hungry. Leave him hungry, give her an appetizer, don't give her the whole meal, man. Let's go, all right. So, I wanna thank you guys as always for joining us here on The Lost Art. And I hope you guys got a lot out of it today. Um, hopefully you got some subjects in your mind that you're willing to discuss. So email me at thelostart at yahoo.com. Again, that is thelostart at yahoo.com. Love to hear from you. We will love to read your emails on the air and address your questions. So please feel free to do that. And I thank you guys for joining us as always. And we will see you guys later.